This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host, Brendan Sinone, joined by our other hosts, co-hosts. What are we called? I don't know. Compadres. Team by, members. By compadre team members, Joshua Newberg and Christopher Newberg. Nee- nah, 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 nah. We're the three best friends that anybody could have. Hey, so uh, this is going to be a Q&A episode. It wasn't initially supposed to be that. I asked for like five questions. We got more than that. And they were actually like pretty legitimately good questions. A nice smattering of big picture stuff and then minutia and, and some recruiting tidbits. So like I, we're just going to go with what the the listeners want they they have questions we have answers this is going to be like a little bit of a therapy session i feel like for everyone uh so chris and josh do you have anything you want to get off your respective chest before we get going no i feel no. fantastic no i'm doing okay. great all right this, co- this coffee's really hitting this morning i don't really believe either of you but uh the four the four segments we're going to have based on the questions we've gotten it's going to be generalized team stuff then we're going to go into some quarterback talk we're going to go big picture topics about the team and then some some randomness. So without further ado, let's get into it. Starting off with the team stuff. David Ori asks, when can we expect the speedster, Corey Wren? That, that is what he is, is the speedster. It's what we always going to call him, the speedster. So what can we expect Corey Wren and our highest rated recruit, Demore Tate? Uh, I think, so neither of those guys have played this year. Demore Tate did not travel with the team to Miami. I do think, Chris, John Papuch has mentioned Corey Wren this week, right, as a possible kickoff return option. Yeah, so, so I think he's getting it, closer. With Travis J banged up, Wren's a possibility to be in there as a return man in some form or fashion. I think he may also get some spot duty as an offensive weapon. I I agree with you. I think he's someone who, unlike the other running backs in this class, like Ja'Kai Douglas and Lawrence Toa Philly, Wren's making a different transition from one, the classification he was in in Louisiana, and then also – he really didn't play like a traditional running back role. So, so he's kind of learning that the intricacies of that. So we'll see. Um, I think it'll just take a little bit of time. What about Demory Tate? I, I don't, I don't really know what's going on there. I know that, you know, he was someone who they were high on. They thought could help very early on this year, but also a fairly raw prospect in terms of, you know, high, high blue chip guys go because he didn't have great high school coaching. I don't really have a great answer for why, we haven't seen him yet this season, like not even travel with the team this past week was a little surprising. Yeah, he didn't do much in camp from what we understand in the sense of like elevating himself up to depth chart, standing out. Um, and he uh, is at a position that obviously is very deep. Yep. Well, but there's certainly playing time to be had because the guys ahead of him have not been great uh, aside from yeah. Asante Samuel. If he doesn't dress this week, he doesn't play this week. It's definitely a question that probably needs to be asked at this point. I don't feel like in the first two games, it was something that necessarily necessitated a question because it's not like they're rotating everybody through the defensive back positions. There's veterans we haven't seen play who are available at the defensive back positions, for example. 
All right, sticking with the defensive backs, Noel 939913 Champs asks, what's the status of Miko Dodson? Led the country picks last year. Was really looking forward to seeing that guy. Christopher, what's up with Miko? Uh, he was actually asked about yesterday with Coach Norvell. And essentially Norvell said that he is doing some stuff in practice or hoping to get him back. We shall see about this weekend. He's been banged up. We don't know specifically what the injury is. We believe it's something lower extremity related, I believe. I think we think it's a leg, but we've not gotten that straight said to us by anybody to this point in time. Seminole fan 94 asks, projected final win loss record with two games under our belt and all our deficiencies exposed. I'll let, I'll let Josh handle yeah. it. Well, we all Go had ahead, seven, Josh. We all had seven <laughs> wins initially. Uh, Josh, what is your uh, what is your algorithm? Tell us now for the uh... Uh, okay. Uh, screw the algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the COVID hit the algorithm hard this year, so I'm not going. I, I I've shelved it till next year. But seriously, beyond Jacksonville State, like I can't sit here just based on what we've seen. I can't sit here and tell you Florida State will win another game beyond this like I can't guarantee it I I like my gut tells me they will so I'll adjust my my record from like I think it was six or seven wins prior I said seven you said seven we all did I'd say I mean by the end of the season I think they come away with three wins three I'm with right you now, is where I, I'm at yeah I'm at like four at this point three or four and, and I'm that's always pretty gonna optimistic. be I'm, I'm always going to be slow to trickle down from optimism with regards to win total because I do hold out hope they improve, they get better. Mm-hmm. I agree with Josh. Jacksonville State is a game they obviously need to win. But then it's Notre Dame, UNC at Louisville. At Notre Dame, UNC at Louisville. A one and two in that stretch would be a win for them. And then the back stretch is probably the area where they have the best chance at NC State, Clemson, UVA, at Duke to close out the year. But my concern is if they get to that point, they're a one or two win team. I don't know if mentally they can even muster what they need to to compete. Right on those games to pull them off. There is a group of games there they can win. You know, Duke, I would say, is most winnable. Mm-hmm. UVA and NC State are kind of comparable, um, especially with NC State being on the road. But I, there's no reason for optimism with this team to have a belief system in them. I hope for four. At this point, I believe they can win one, and we'll see what happens after that. So assuming they get to the end of the season, too, you never know with this crazy college football season would you guys rather well would you say more likely three wins or five if i had to give you your, your picking money three, three. Mm-hmm. what's more likely one or three <laughs> that would be a better question. Uh, three right i feel like three is more likely than one yeah, yeah i think so too i hope so they're gonna get one well we'll address for your sanity i hope, I hope. <laughs> we'll address the jacksonville state game in a little bit joe and asked what's been done to increase the output and effectiveness in our running game all right well uh, Bud Elliott put some stats up on Knowles 24-7 a little earlier, and I think on Twitter as well. I'm not well. a big stat guy, but that the, the chart that he put on the Knowles 24-7 message board was pretty interesting. Uh, it goes wanna- back to the it goes back to the instant reaction pod where mm-hmm. I was supposed to feel real good about all these young guys playing and what they did, it was garbage time. Completely. And, like, and yeah. like that's the thing. It's like you don't buy into it till it happens when it matters. And that's not to knock what those guys did. They maximize their opportunities. That's mm-hmm. something that matters. It's better than them coming out there rolling over and playing dead like their teammates had earlier in the game. But it is what it is. And the whole Jordan Travis running thing, I'm amazed teams haven't stopped it yet because I feel like when he's out there, I'd have 10 guys on him and one play. It's also just not sustainable. 
Right. No, just, it's it's shown as not sustainable. I mean, against right. Miami, it showed that it was legitimately not sustainable. Like you can break off a couple nice plays for it, but they take them, they pull them out of the game as soon as he gets behind the chains. FSU is capable of running it better than they have. Blocking matters, both on the perimeter, outside guys as well with the O-line. There's some stuff they're missing where there are opportunities to get some yards with running the ball. But they have no scoreboard lighters currently in that running back room in the sense of guys are giving carries and what they can do. It's just you don't think you don't think Toe Philly could be that guy by the end of the year or, or at least not this some? year. No, I think he I can be. So. I think he can be productive. I think he probably can give you the most chunk runs of anybody they've given uh, mm-hmm. running back snaps to out of those three. But no, he. You know, we're we're spoiled here. We've watched guys like Cook and Acres and those types come through in recent. Right. There's nobody near that realm just go back on that realm i'm saying near there's nobody on that realm. free agency doesn't exist fsu is not about to get some guy that's going to magically make that room drastically better right just go back in your memory bank and think about when dalvin cook first touched the football at fsu you thought every time he touches the football he might score same with cam Akers. even even uh we got a taste of that with jalen knighton before he got injured in the miami like there's just something about some of these backs. And I think Toa Philly has a chance to be a, a very good all around back, especially once he puts on some size. Um, but he's just not one of the backs in that category of as soon as he touches the football, it could be one cut and gone. But I, he, he I, dis- I disagree with that. Like I obviously what I, mean, we I watched him this, in high school, but well, I wrote a story on him talking to his high school coach today. So I'm an expert too. Now who's getting ahead of themselves now. What I want to say for context, <laughs> damn it. I trapped him. I got him. What I want to say for context is no, I don't expect him to go out there and average eight yards of carry. Like it did in the second half against Miami's second string, third string defense. I don't expect that. What I will say is that he did show you something different than what we've seen in the previous game and a half that he has some ability to beat someone to the edge, to stop and go to finish a run with authority. And that's with him being a little undersized. I don't know if he's a special talent or not, but he, he it was a little different than what we've seen. And that gives me some hope and I'm hanging on to that right now. Let me what's have a, that. What's a stat that FSU has led the country in running the ball in the last several seasons. Uh, tackles for loss allowed. Well, yes, but what's another one? Yards after initial contact. Oh, so actually which, that's... It, which that, comes down to running backs winning winning individually. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's backs in that room that can do that. So that, that is proof in the pudding that Akers and Cooks, those types, the NFL types, they are who they were. Like that, there's a reason they're playing on Sundays and both are capable of being starters in the NFL. And one of them posted a buck 80 last week in the NFL. FSU doesn't have guys who are going to do that currently on this roster and they don't have the blocking to make up for that. So when contact's happening this year, guys are going down. That that's to me, that's the difference in the rushing attack from the last couple of years to now. It's not that we've gotten worse at blocking up front. It's that the backs aren't making the difference that those guys, those guys hit a lot of blemishes and ugly. Chris, did you call them cooks? You had an S at the end. Like I, an old I, person. Had a, I was trying to use them as a type of person, not specifically to the individual person, but yes, I did. Mariner 51 asks TJ Davis not playing this year. Uh, I don't think so. Again, if he doesn't get run out there this week, he's one of those guys. I, I don't know that you see TJ's got a lot of, he's got to transform the body a bit. Yeah. He's got to figure out exactly what he is at the end. You know, is he going to be a guy who's going to be a little bit more speed? It's kind of like Quayshawn Fuller had some of last year in the sense of, 
If he gets much bigger, he's going to be like a strong side guy who could even slide inside. If he gets a little bit smaller, he can truthfully be a little bit more of a speed rush guy. He's kind of a swing guy who needs to figure out which way he's going to swing in the sense of the body and the game and everything. And he's just got to mature in the game. He's got it. You know, he's very raw. He's moved positionally multiple years in a row as he's developed that body. So he hasn't really settled into what home's going to be for him. St. Joe Noel asked, the defensive line was more dominant last year. Is it scheme or is it lack of effort? And thoughts on Odell being here next year? Is it time for him to step down? Josh, you are on the Odell beat. I will Uh. (laughs) will throw this to you. Uh, Yeah, I I think every, I think at at this point, every offseason, Mike Norvell needs to look at um, what's going on on the field and on the recruiting trail. Um. I don't know if it's time to say that he's done. I mean, we're two games into the season, but it's an underperforming unit. Um, They've tried to save themselves in the transfer portal. They haven't exactly recruited an elite defensive tackle since Marvin Wilson. Um, I I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say at week two, it's time to move on, but you know, I, I think every position needs to get a serious look. Yeah. I'm usually one to quickly dismiss any Odell slander. We all know that, but in this case, I think it's fair to, take a true view. And I think it also comes down to a conversation with him. Is he still, is his heart fully in this? You know, does he feel like the coach, he, the great coach he has been throughout his career here, does he still have that same passion and fire? And that's something I'm sure anybody and everybody has to ask themselves at some point. He's gone, he's gone through hell in recent years with some of the coaching changes, dealing with it, you know, being a guy out front, having to deal with the brunt of some of that in real time, that can wear a guy down. So you know, I, I think that's fair to say. As far as the D-line and the performance year over year, I, I think the the way they've gone about it in the first two games schematically wasn't very productive. I don't think it put them in a good position. Game two, you know, they weren't trying to get on the edges and kill. They were more trying to mush and push, and it, it didn't work. And then three-man front was a big idea in that. And, you know, as the defensive coordinator said after the game, in hindsight, it didn't work. Yeah. Um, but he said mush and push (laughs) mush and push baby um that's what they were doing more mushing than pushing yeah i mean it was a lot of hugging and consuming the middle and making sure king didn't have clean lanes inside and had to do things to the edges and said miami just did whatever they wanted hugging Um, and lugging can we do some other rhymes hugging and lugging that works i like that one that's all good job to know i'm proud of you thinking on your feet for it all sounds like 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 a bad poop that someone's taking um there you go but i mean i i think the defensive line just isn't very good like we i know we built them up to be great in the preseason i'm guilty of that as anybody we were but, blind I mean, but they stink we I mean, did hype the hell out of them but, but we it wasn't just blind. us it was like there was oh, national, it was everybody. There was national it, analysts and metrics and it was and the coaching staff too yeah. let's be clear that that was the coaching staff throwing that in and becoming part of the echo chamber but that d-line stinks so far i mean let's just call it what it is they've been no good you know Robert Cooper has been the best in two games. He got hurt, obviously, in Miami. But other than him, who can you really say has played well in that group? Good. Maybe Fabian Lovett. He's had some decent snaps when he's been given opportunities. Marvin but, Wilson's played okay, but not to but up he, to the standards and the expectations, and he hasn't Mar's, been impactful. Marv's supposed to be one, a leader, two, a superstar, yeah. and three, a guy who's going to play a lot of ball on Sundays. And Marv's got a boatload of talent. He graded, what, like 20th, 21st on the defense for PFF for last game? Nah, that's not cutting it. That, and that's not me trying to single him out and pick up. He needs to play better. Yeah. And that's no, 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 hell no doubt about guys, that. But he needs to play better. No doubt about that. And I understand teams are able to key on him because, well, there's no Kando. J-Rob's not making any difference. 
you know, other than Cooper, who's really demanding attention for them right now. Nobody. So J-Rob being a complete non-factor, like even as an edge setter has been, uh, that's been disappointing as well. Oh, you know, was, we need to reevaluate our team draft that Chris and I had. We should have done that. Oh, this week. I brought that up. I wanted to do that. I wanted. Yeah, we should. We need to because that's when not going to look great. When you, that take, show? when you take one team that's awful and you split it into two teams, what do you get? <laughs> I think that we'd be zero and zero and two no matter what. I just I don't remember if this happened on on that pod or what, but the only reason I wanted to bring it up because you guys blasted me for not valuing Jaden Lars was would be. As a as a high draft pick, you, you also didn't value me. Asante Samuel Jr. and Josh. You were right in the have... end. I just I just want to let you know you're right. I'm unlikely to know. I'm not going to make some excuse. You're right. Yeah. He, all he does is tackle guys when they come towards him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, isn't that the problem? You know, we talked about on Monday's show, or yeah, it was Monday. The defense nobody goes and really makes plays outside of Amari Gaynor, Asante Samuel, Bernardo Green has some of that to him. I think there's not will have it. Yeah, yeah there, Dix will be. There's not enough of them though. There's no, not enough not guys who just enough. attack dogs, get after it, cut the feet out, make tackles, finish plays, be aggressive, be physical. Even if the guy gains seven yards, put him on his ass, make him hurt, and make him feel it. There's not enough of that. Brendan Gant at least did that. He was a little tentative sometimes with angles, but at least he at least tried to impact the game physically. Uh, go ahead and re. I put out something. I want to. I want to. I want to uh, relate to Chris real quick. Okay. I view FSU's defense as a basketball team that has no player on the roster that can create its own shot. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody can go out there and just make something happen. Like sometimes in hoops, you need a guy. You know, when the team's struggling to play team basketball, they can just go out and create his own damn shot. And the FSU defense just it doesn't have that. And hasn't really? had that really for a couple of years. Amari Gaynor seems to have like a little bit of that. The issue is they play him at star, which is fine or, or stud because that's mm-hmm. a good role for him. But that also means he's out in space a lot of the time and he's not in the area where he can always impact every single play. Would you guys right. move him to defensive end or even inside linebacker at this point just to get him closer to mm. impacting a play? I'd move him to Fox. Yeah. Like full time. At some point, you got to create a pass rush. You, right. You're going to you're going to die week after week with no pass rush of any sort. That's true. He, he, in my opinion, gives you the best opportunity. And you've got a solid backup behind. I know Kalen Deloshin played great against Miami. But I think Kalen's a very capable football player who, given more reps and more playing time, will improve drastically as the season progresses. I think it makes sense to go ahead and throw him out there. Plus, you have DeKalen Brooks. And I know everybody on earth just sighed during this podcast, as I said. That he day. looked okay against but, Miami. But he, he is a guy okay. that consistently grades out pretty well and the staff clearly likes. So he's a capable backup. So you're not you're not robbing Peter as much to pay Paul there in that sense and making that one move. I think I think the the second not to say Deloach is on Gainer's level because at this point I don't think he is, but I don't think it's a drastic drop off by any stretch either. Plus, I think it's worthwhile to give Kalen a little bit more reps. Go ahead and watch the middle linebacker play or the inside linebacker play against Miami if you want to get frustrated. Well, linebacker play, you know, I mean, I, you know, preseason, I thought it was going to be the most improved room, and I still think it can be, but it certainly was not on Saturday night. It was, they were horrible on Saturday night. The linebacker group as a whole played extremely poorly in that game. Four of the bottom five graded guys on defense were linebackers. And forget about like the physicality part that you guys brought up, like just not being able to diagnose like your running lane, the, the hole uh, that you want to come and hit and attack. Like it just. Yeah. The whole narrative this week of, of hesitation and confidence is just code for saying those linebackers yeah. didn't play like linebackers are supposed to. There's play. a reason why that the depth chart had 
ors all across the board, and that included two true freshmen. If DJ Lundy's available to play this week, I think he will play mm-hmm. quite a bit. And I don't remember if it was game day or the pregame show for FSU Miami, but one of them, a couple of the people, I think it was game day. It may have actually been both, but I think David Polak was one of the ones that said, he's like, those linebackers don't look like FSU linebackers. Pollock, Chris. Pollock, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We got any more questions? Yeah, we got one more. Stan 21 asks, do we see Fuller simplifying the defense and have D-line shooting the gaps because the system we're running is not a question anymore? Mm. Because this, uh, ask about uh, asking about the defense. Is the scheme an issue in your guys' mind right now? Yes, Obviously, and I, yeah. I definitely think we see him simplified. I think we've heard him kind of refer to doing so this week. As far as guys shooting the gaps, they got to be That's capable on the guys. of doing that. Yeah, they, they got to win <laughs> one-on-one battles and do it to do that. So we shall see. I mean, they're not doing that right now. They brought linebacker blitzes. We saw that during the Miami game, but you saw them just get eaten up at the line of scrimmage. What what more can you do? I mean, Fuller said he, he understands he's got to dial it up from somewhere. Um, there were times where he tried – we're criticizing people want to say oh you're just blaming coaches no it's everybody it's coaches the scheme Mm -hmm. there's been things with the scheme that could have been better there's been planning going into games that obviously did not work i don't think they planned for it to not work obviously but it did not work i mean plain and simple it didn't work as we go back to miami game but the players got to play better i mean you got to win one-on-one they got to take it upon themselves to be a better football team they got to fly to the ball better they got to win one-on-one battles they got to be more aggressive they got to get after it they got to trust one another in the sense of well if i screw up the guy behind me's got my ass or if it's the safety of i understand what my job here is i am the safety i have to be the last line of defense and that's a place where they miss hampson azaldine so damn much because he's the janitor he's the guy that cleans up the messes and i don't know that you know well travis jay and renato green have had good moments and done some things that you're pleased with in the first two games. I don't think either of them ensure you like a Hampson Aswin. There's a lot of criticism on Adam Fuller in the defensive scheme, and it's fair to, I mean, the, the results are the results and that's what he gets paid for is to, to have results and they haven't been there. But for the last 10 minutes, we've been talking about a defensive line underperforming the linebackers can't read simple keys, uh, missed tackles in the secondary, like, the players, like you guys said, they have to perform too. As a coach, just like the offense struggles without an offensive line being consistent, like the defensive line is no good, or the front seven isn't impactful, the whole entire defense is is going to fall apart. That's just how it works. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the quarterback position, a little hope for the future. But before that, Josh, you know what makes me hopeful? Uh, no, what's that, Brandon? Market Square Liquors, located off of Timberlane Road, North Tallahassee by Thomasville and I-10. I am a huge Market Square Liquors fan. I picked up a bottle of their store pick selection of Russell's Reserve single barrel last week. Got into it, did a little whiskey review on it, a little, little taste test. It was awesome. And uh, and this weekend, for me, starts after this podcast. So once we get to noon, guess what I'm cracking into, fellas? Which one is it? It's the Russell's Reserve. I'm going back to it because it was so good. It was... Uh, it was spicy. It was cinnamony. It was vanilla. It was perfect. We got a little cool weather in the air. It's going to be a nice one to have outside and enjoy the uh, the fall afternoon here in Tallahassee. So if you guys want to uh, to explore some of the store picks of, of whiskey and bourbon that they have at Market Square Liquors, go ahead, check them out. Tell them that On the Bench sent you. And, uh, and also they have the lounge right next door if you want to go in, uh, set inside and, and have a nice drink and and have a uh, enjoy a very nice collection of, of bourbon and other 
and other liqueurs. Uh, they have a great selection there as well. So that's Market Square Liquors off of Timberlane Road. All right, Josh, you want to take the lead here and uh, pass it around for the quarterback quarterback talk? Yeah, sure. Let's lead it off with a question from Matt329. Do you think Coach Norvell still believes he can win games with Blackman, or is he just waiting for Rotomaker or Purdy to be ready before moving on? Who wants I, I'll take this. I am of the belief earlier in the week, and I think a lot of these questions are going to kind of circle around to this general thought, but earlier in the week, I said that there was somewhat of an internal uh, thought process that Tate Rotomaker was deserving of more reps, not just based on what we saw in garbage time against Miami, but more so just what they've seen in practice the last few weeks, kind of coupled with the James Blackman not being effective. And we can explain all the reasons why, but the, again, the results are the results with James. So to answer this question from Matt, uh, I think Norvell believes he can win games with Blackman, uh, but but I'm of the opinion now that uh, he thinks that Rotomaker and Purdy are the future, and I think you're going to see an empathy in, um, I can't say the word, an empathy, empathist. help me out. I, w- I won't make fun of you for struggling to pronounce something. Empathy, I can't do it. Emphasis, there it is, an emphasis on getting those two quarterbacks in the game and then the rotation much, much earlier on, not in garbage time moving forward. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Tate Rotomaker take a snap as early as the first quarter on Saturday as we so coming up against you, Jacksonville State. Do you believe that Mike Norvell thinks that Blackman can win him games? That's the question. Sometimes. I don't think that he wants him as his first option, though, at this point. I think he's I, – I don't know this for a fact that Norvell thinks this, but I, I would imagine that he's seen enough. I would say the answer is, does he believe he can win them games today? Yeah, sure. Do I think he believes he's going to want to gonna help them win long-term, do what this program needs to do over the coming weeks, months, and years? Nah. I think I think the youth movement at quarterback is afoot, and I think we're going to see it sooner rather than later. Okay. Emphasis. Warchant911 asks, if Chuba and or Tate get significant snaps against JSU and look as good or better than Blackman, do they get the start next week against Notre Dame? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I agree. As long as those um, snaps aren't, you know, with with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, and um, they thirty points, they but won't, they won't be. I'm, I'm very Dilly's confident comments, in that, Josh. I think it was Dilly that said it on Monday. It, that position is a competition. Like they were mm-hmm. emphatic about that position as a competition. All positions are, but they were emphatic at the quarterback spot. There is no ingrained starter. The reason James Blackman has been your starter is he was your best quarterback in preseason camp. That's the only reason. It has nothing to do with anything he ever did at FSU before December 8th of last year when this coaching staff got hired. Sunday Gold says, is Norvell the kind of coach to rotate quarterbacks every other series like Bowden and Spurrier have done? Or will he ride and die with one the whole game or until it's out of hand like last week? I don't think he'll ride or die with one. He's here to try to win games, and he wants to win now. So whatever he has to do, he'll do. Yeah, I don't think there's a coach that really wants to rotate quarterbacks. Uh, I take, you know, rotate quarterbacks every other series. But, I mean, Florida State's in a position where, where they might have to just because yeah. or are we including so Jordan, bad. Are we including Jordan Travis in, yeah, right. in like that the, dynamic? The, 
The yeah, question acts like they didn't change a quarterback till late in that game. Yes, they went to road to make a full time in the fourth quarter, but they had two quarterbacks on the field on the first almost, play of the game. Yeah, on so. the first play of the game. <laughs> and rotated exactly. them within a series of this is, times. This is not about style. This is not about scheme. This is about survival at this point. Yeah, Damn. trying to get a dub. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the tagline. That's the movie poster for FSU football in 2020, Josh. <laughs> this is about survival. NYC Noel 92. How long of a leash does James have this weekend? I don't think I I don't think James (laughs) I don't think James starts this week to be honest. And if he does, I think we'll see Tate Rotomaker in the first quarter. And once you make that switch, unless James Blackman comes out whenever he does play, if he's perfect, right? If he completes every single pass, then he has it. But as soon as what if he does that on the script like he did in Game One against Georgia Tech? I mean, he did. He's done that. Then you keep going. But as soon as, like Chris said, none. As soon as you see the spiral begin and and I believe Mike Norvell is a smart astute man who has a good feel for uh, the dynamic of his I don't think it room. takes long to find the spiral it's just the first mistake right that's what I'm saying as soon as the mistake happens yeah it, it doesn't a take a genius it, that's to it. spot it though you're giving Mike Norvell all this credit it's just, well, it's there just have the been, very first I've, mistake is where yeah it but there have been FSU's inability to evaluate internally since 2016, 2017 has me very skeptical that anyone can do it. I think Mike Norvell can. I think he's going to give Tate Rotomaker a shot very early on on Saturday. There. NRG wants to, NRG Noel wants to know who gets more passes this weekend, Blackman or the field? The field. The field. Well, can we change it to say who gets more snaps at quarterback? No, I think passes. I like Jordan Travis may not. No, 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 no. He said passes. That's why I like the question. I'm going to go the field. Snaps is easy. You take the field. Of course, snaps. He wants to know who's going to throw more passes, James Blackman or the field. I'm going to go the field. I think Tate Rotomaker plays very early on. And if that happens, I don't think we go back. Chris? I, I'm good with Sinone's answer. Okay. I, I, I'm very much in the same headspace as Sinone right now when it comes to the quarterback position. I, I think the youth movement has begun there. I think that the planning for the future has begun there. And, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. They're going to keep – you keep throwing at the wall and seeing what sticks. That's sort of where we're at with that position. But I don't think this is a DeAndre Francois is going to start till the end of time kind of situation like we dealt with in 2018. I just saw how Brennan was trying to wiggle out of that one. By I wasn't trying to wiggle out of it. Yeah, you were. I said right. I, FSU you... rep wants to know: Has there frustrate? Has there been frustration yes. among the team, not our team, oh. with Blackman still being the quarterback? Because this, because the team shows his attitude when things get rough. Um, yes, uh, I, yes, there yes. has been. There, um, yes. I mean. <laughs> But it's it sort of it comes with the role of being the starting quarterback when things aren't going well. Yeah. Everybody cares what that guy's doing, and that includes his teammates. Are are they yeah, frustrated I mean, with when, Blackman? Or are they frustrated with the production at the position? Period. They're frustrated. I yes. mean, those two are. The answer to that is yes. yes those two are very much so interchangeable. Well, uh, but what I'm saying is, when when Rotomaker goes in and throws a pick on his first play, I mean, I don't think they're any less frustrated just because it's a different player. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I but when you're you're wide ask. the wide receivers for the first half of Miami game did not exist. The wide receivers in the first game existed, but dropped everything. So, you know, it's not like it's solely on a quarterback, but in the second game, yes, it was very much on a quarterback, not getting it to the wide receivers. There is frustration throughout that offense, but that's going to come with the fact that the offense has been 
pathetic through eight quarters mm-hmm. and has two touchdowns to show for it. I mean, that that's sort of it's frustration is going to build when you practice all preseason to be an explosive playmaking offense. And then you go out there and you can't score to save your ass. And you have two touchdowns to show for it in eight quarters. And one of the two teams you played was Georgia tech. Yeah. Everybody's going to be frustrated. And plenty of that's focused upon the quarterback because he's, the, he's the engine of the machine of the offense and mm-hmm. he's not getting it done. If Tate goes out there and he starts and he plays a half and the offense is as woeful, there will be frustration with him. Now it may be a little more understandable because one, he's such a young guy Two, It's his first start. All of these reasons we can list, but there's still going to be frustration with him. That's just a natural order of things. The issue with James is that, Things that are frustrating about James today were frustrating with James a year ago and two years ago and so on and so forth. And that's why we're at this point with him as a quarterback that everybody's ready to move on from. Beyond just frustration, and and I know this is a little nitpicky with with some semantics, but beyond it being frustrating, I think, from from teammates, uh, there's just confidence that's lacking in, in James that talking to different sources I don't think there's a lot of people internally that believe James is going to get it done. And when that happens at that position, it's a recipe for disaster. Like you're not going to have success if you don't think your quarterback's going to be able to dig you out of a hole when, when that spiral, like we talked about, begins. Yeah. So that one thing I'll add on top of that is that people that are frustrated also disappoint because they like James. Right. That's, that's why I don't know if it's frustration. I think it's just, there's just no belief yeah. in him right now like people like James they want James to do well it's just it's not existing yeah. within in that history quarterback. now there's a lot of uh there's a lot of tape to go back and watch to see you know just who he is at this point all right one more QB question and this is this is another good one pick six wants to know why does FSU not let trap Jordan Travis continue to complete a drive seems like when the offense gets to move in they take Travis out in the middle of the drive and it stalls for instance on the first drive FSU got inside the five yard line. Then Blackman came in and the drive stalled. Uh, I, I do remember that drive. Um, what do you guys think on this? I think it, Travis is being used as a change of pace guy, kind of the switching it up. And they're trying to do that within drives to keep defenses off balance. But I, you know, when you can't score touchdowns, I'm sort of of the opinion, the guy who is gaining you yards, you probably should stick with. But yeah. at some point he can't pass the ball. And I think that's a concern for everybody is if you stick with him and you get a third and long situation, his feet might be able to do it, but numbers say that you got to be putting the ball in the air there. So, and he's not obviously a guy that you feel that's an advantageous situation with. So that's the big issue with him. Yeah. You said you call him a change of pace. It's like, yeah, he's a change of pace. When he's not in there, FSU doesn't move the ball. And when he is in there, FSU starts moving the ball. So it's but like, do you the, believe that if he played a 15 play drive, they would sustain? No, it? I also That's don't believe. Thing. And the staff believes I, that. I don't too. think you can, I don't think you can run Jordan Travis 15 times a game and keep him healthy. Well, that's a dynamic too. And I believe his knees still bothering him right now. I don't know if we're going to see him uh, this week. So yeah, I, I, he's had too many injury issues to, fully build your offense around. But to Chris's point too, like you can't, you can't confidently put him out there. Even if it wasn't the injury concerns, you can't put him out there and build an entire offense around him because he hasn't shown the ability to throw the ball. Yeah. And that's an issue. So as soon as you get behind in the chains, that's why you see James Blackman go back in because mm-hmm. as soon as it's second and 11, the, you can't call the, play for him. the drive's done at that point this, with him. This is why preseason, I was such a chubba believer. And I think, in general, this podcast group is a chubba believer because he brings the best of both worlds. 
He can extend plays with his feet. He can make plays with his feet. He can make plays with his arm. He can do what you're trying to use multiple quarterbacks in this offense to be successful with by himself. That's not to say he's going to do it at a high level out of the gate as a true freshman. It's just that his skill set out of those four options definitely leans that direction more than anybody else by a mile. I've got a little scoop for you guys. You ready? Chubba Purdy. He was back practicing last week, this week, and he was limited this week. Not so limited. I'm just going to drop that out. Good. Yep. I don't know if that means he's able to go. I really don't know this week, but uh, I think he's getting really, really close to being able to, and he's doing more and more in practice, which is I think it'd be better for him to be able to go against Jacksonville State for his first appearance in college football than Notre Dame. Ideally, yes. (laughs) Whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. All right. So let's transition here to the big picture questions. You guys got your thinking caps on? Because we got some doozies. Got some doozies of some twosies. Steve J. FSU asks, do you think Norvell and co had any idea that this kind of start or season was possible? Doesn't seem as if they were as blindsided as the previous staff after Virginia tech, but wondering if you have any insight and if the staff went into Georgia tech, thinking it was a seven, eight win team. I'll throw this to Josh. I'll just say real quick. I don't think they're surprised by Owen two necessarily. I do think they're surprised at how Owen two looks. Yeah, they took eight transfers this offseason. They were fully aware, and they hit the limit on how many they could take. Um, Did they get the best transfers that were out there? Nope, Uh, because the brand, you know, the the brand of FSU, kids were were transferring left and right, and they were involved with a bunch of them, but they couldn't get all of them. Um, But, yeah, I, I mean, I thought, I think, of course, they felt the offense would execute better than it has. I think they were fully aware of the deficiencies on the roster and on on the field. But, you know, 0-2s look pretty ugly so far. Yeah, I don't think they're shocked, but I do think there's intricacies of what they're trying to accomplish that they are surprised by how they've struggled, yeah. specifically offensively. I think they expected to be explosive in some ways and struggle to sustain drives at other times the issue for them is they've struggled to sustain drives while having no explosiveness and then defensively they definitely thought their d-line was going to be the strength of that group and make them better as a whole which we all know d-lines make everybody better behind them because they do more and they certainly haven't done that to this point in time so i think those two things the lack of explosiveness to the offense and the d-line being a non-factor through two games is a surprise to them but i don't think in general they're surprised by what this team is Rude Boy 80 asks, what is the temperature around the program? It's a beautiful, crisp temperature here in Tallahassee right now. I got my window open, got my sweater on. Based on how we have started, sorry, live in Texas, but in Tallahassee, your fans, coaches, as upset and frustrated the team as I have seen on the message board. Um, <laughs> well, I, I will preface it by saying this, like when you're 0-2, no one's really all that happy. Uh, and Mike Norvell is a new coach. On a message so- board. Or in real life. Or in real life, especially the message board. Especially e- the echo chambers and whatnot. So yeah, there's, spe- there's some hold on. Let's also be honest. The message board is never a great place to get a cross-section of the fan base at. Like, it, it just – I know it's easy to read and there's a lot of people sounding off, but I don't think that's, like, the, the greatest place to gauge the, the fan base. Where's the better place, the message board or the uh, the Facebook comment section? Oh, oh God. God, no, <laughs> never, never. Never, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Facebook comments are not real life. They're literally what TV shows should be written about. Um, I I think the biggest thing with the fan base, I think there's been a moment of clear-cut realization by a vast majority of the fan base that it's going to take 
a while, and this program is in a full rebuild. And they woke up quickly, huh, Chris? They're not very good. Yes, I I think Georgia Tech made it aware to people. I think Miami drove it home for people, and I think that's where you are. When when some people on podcasts this summer, such as myself, said that the roster wasn't any good prior to transfers in and such, and that they were going to struggle in the sense of the program just isn't where it should be as an FSU program. Oh, you know, no, it's FSU. No, it's not FSU. We, it's not, we just, took a, the cheese, it's not just a, yes, we did. And, we, we and I wish we, I wish we had stuck with what we were thinking all off season, but then you get into preseason and you keep getting this feedback. Hey, this looks good. This looks good. But, but this was the message but all throughout even, the off season. Even with the optimism, we thought this was a seven and four football team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was clear cut. They had to get better. The issue for them is the things that they were bad at that they, they have not gotten better at. And I think people have accepted that in general. Fans are frustrated. They're always going to be frustrated. But I think if you take a, if you're a true FSU fan, you've been around it a long time, you understand how the program operates, some of the things that have happened since basically 2014. It may amaze you that we're at this point because it does amaze me that FSU, a program that, you know, for my entire life has been good to great is now at this point. Yeah, it surprises me. But I think you also realize we're now in this moment. We we This wasn't created overnight. This was created over half a decade of bad decisions, bad coaching, bad development, bad recruiting, bad roster development, failure to understand your shortcomings. That's why we're here. This didn't happen in one offseason by any stretch of the imagination. I think, I think a lot of people have come to that realization. And I think that's a good thing. I think people need to buy in and hope for the best for the future and understand it's rebuild and hope that they hired the right guy to rebuild it. You better hope so. And with that in mind, a rude boy 80 also asked, how confident are you in this staff to turn things around long-term given these two weeks? Every week. Uh, Why don't we do our our weekly? Well, you know what we should do? One, we'll open this up for sponsorship. If someone wants to get our rating, (laughs) what we're going to do is we're going to put a scale of one to 10 on your confidence rating. Can we do colors? Oh, like Like a a red, green, Mm. and orange. Yeah. Like like a full stop. Full stop. (laughs) (laughs) We we will uh, adjust it to a color system for this week. We're going to go numbers because it's easier. So at the beginning of the season, if one was not confident, if one was Willie Taggart, (laughs) <laughs> and 10 was prime Jimbo Fisher. Uh, I would say like going into this season, I was at a seven ish for Mike Norvell. I'm optimistic. There's some things that you want to see that you don't know. Solid five right now. Kate. Right now. Solid I was going to say solid five is where I'm solid at right, five now. right now. It's on the fence. That's too early to say it's not going to work, but I don't know how you say it can work either. I am right down the middle at this point. Yeah, I, I, I like I the coach. Give him the ahead, benefit of the doubt prior to like a five and a half, six. I don't know if I was at a full seven. But I'm going to say five because whatever I was, just take me. There's just – and it's not all on Mike Norvell. I mean, there's just a lot stacked up against him, uh, whether it be the roster, finance, you know, whatever it is, culture, you you name it, it's up against him right now. And he's got to find ways to just get these little wins one by one. I think it can be done, but I'm going to five. Josh said full full seven. There's also very good coaches that just fail at jobs. You don't always feel at a job because you're a horrible coach. Right. I mean, we've right. seen that. We experienced that here recently. But you can also feel at a job and be a good coach. And this is a job right now where I think you can feel at it and be a good coach because there's, well, there's been a, a lot you got to do. There's <laughs> been a lot of lot like the the Murphy's law of like what can go wrong will go wrong has just been. Can we just reflect? The man already on... took a pay cut. <laughs> Imagine. I mean, amongst all of this, the man is also working for less money than he agreed to like eight months ago. But 
let's go back. Can we, we'll quit. We'll Tarantino it. All right. We'll go from. <laughs> we know uh, what happened at the end of the movie, but how did we get here? Yeah, we know that Miami coach got COVID. First one head coach that we know of to get COVID in the country. Couldn't be out there. Georgia Tech game. Going back to that, we had the Warren Thompson debacle. Uh, Chubba Purdy, the guy who gives you some glimmer of hope, whether it's game one, game three, whatever, breaks his collarbone in the first scrimmage. Uh, and that obviously some people are going to question, you know, should there have been contact? I'm fine with it. But some people fan base are going to question it. You go back to that. You got big Marv of uh, being angry and, and racial tensions at, at a peak in America. Uh, then you have the whole, you know, pandemic thing that you're also coaching into and you're not able to get kids on campus to recruit. Like it's just been, you get the spring shortened. It's just been one thing after another for Mike Norvell, some of it under his control, some of it very, most of it very, very much so not. Am I missing anything? Uh, you got a transition at the top with the president and the and the, oh yeah that too in the administration. Um, Andy Miller, who had been here since 1975, is is now gone. Um, you know, prior to Mike Norvell accepting the job, FSU admitted essentially that they're broke. You know, the the whole Renaissance campaign was started right before the pandemic hit. I'm sure that was stalled during the pandemic as well. So yeah, just just a lot, just a lot of going against them. Five. Solid five. I'm solid yeah. out of five. That speaks to how much I believe in Mike Norvell. Josh might be a full seven. I'm more of a full five. Uh, Miss Sano knows all too well. TB3 Golf 714 asked, who are the realistic instant impact players in the 21 class? Josh, I'll start with you here, but Chris, please chime in as well. Who are the instant impact players where? In, 20, in the 21 oh, tw- class. <laughs> Godzilla, right? We start with Godzilla. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the top of their charts. It's it's Brandon Jennings, it's Luke Altmaier, and it's Hunter Washington. Um, Hunter Washington's a five foot eleven, hundred seventy eight pound safety uh, cornerback out of out of uh, Texas. Um, Florida State's offensive line class, where it really matters. I don't know if any of those guys right now are instant impact guys, but the class isn't done. FSU has three offensive line commitments. Um, Rod Orr is the only offensive tackle, six foot seven, two ninety six. He's probably a year away from seeing the field. He just switched from basketball to football in twenty nineteen. Um, they got to hit the transfer portal to find guys that are truly going to impact FSU in twenty twenty one. It's going to be the transfer portal. What do you think, Chris? I think Jackson West would be the number two tight end on the roster today. Okay, that's um, a good point. He, he's position. probably he's probably the lowest ranked guy in that class, who I think would help them immediately. I think Brandon Jennings clearly would have a role on this team right now. Rod Orr is kind of similar to what the young offensive lineman that we're going to see some of this year. I think he's a maybe a step behind today where like Robert Scott is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rod's a guy who needs some development. I, you know, for his sake, I hope he doesn't have to be thrown in the fire year one. Um, but yeah, I, I, for me, it starts with Jennings. Allmeyer is, you know, he'll be thrown in that mix with the quarterback room. I think Purdy's got a good chance of establishing himself this year, or even Tate. Um, not trying to always discount Tate. I feel like I'm such a team chubba guy that I discount Tate a little too often. Tate's got a shot. He's going to have his opportunity. I think he might have his opportunity Saturday. So, yeah, that's it. But that class as a whole, no, I mean, that that class is a helps the roster be much better in the middle type class mm-hmm. to me, but I don't think it helps at the top. It's more of the same coming in. Guys that, you know, while we're – cautiously optimistic that they're going to develop they need time to develop like there's no 
there's nobody on this commit list that's really going to come in and make a huge impact. Like you see Josh Griffiths playing at defensive end and it's like, okay, he's playing as a freshman. Yeah. But like he's played well, but you know, what kind of impact is he really making? He should be, he should be taking the Deontay Williams snap. Not, not the second team. And this is what you're going to get out of the same guys. You know, you're, you might see a Brandon and I don't want to even put names on, on the guys that I'm going to mention, but you might see some guys in 2021 playing, but it's not like they're going to be talked about as freshman, all American. They're not going to be coming in and, and, and making a huge impact. Now, maybe they can get some of those guys in the portal to kind of supplement. And then you see the guys from 2020 that we were high on like a Deloach and some of these other guys start to fill in some of the roles uh, that we're talking about immediately. And then you get this 2021 class that comes in and, and supplements that. But right now uh, I don't see like an instant impact guy coming in and making a huge difference. All right. Newton Noel asks uh, question A is what's worse road trip hangovers or Miami toilets. Uh, I have to say I was mortified going into the rest stop in Port St. Lucie just because of all the people in there and, you know, South Florida and COVID and I had to poop. And so I hovered over the toilet and got out as fast as I could. That's worse. Uh, B, he also asked, what is FSU? Uh, so, F, so, so Newton Noel has a theory that FSU, if in the last 20 years or so, since the last lost decade started, is pretty much a middling power five type of program outside of a few nice, really great years under Jimbo Fisher. Uh, so that's his theory is, is whether FSU, if this is more the, if this is closer, seven or eight wins is closer to the reality for FSU than being a powerhouse. Right now they're a bottom tier ACC team. I mean, right. I don't know if you, if you want to call that a middle, middle of the road power five program, but right now they're, they're bottom of the ACC. Well, right? At this very moment in the last few years, they've been in the, the last middle. two to three years, they've been middle to bottom of the yeah. ACC. Yeah, this year they're bottom. I think they're standing on the doormat of entering a territory where they become that. Correct. Yeah, I've seen some people say like what we're seeing now isn't normal and like the bottom part of this, like the, the low threshold of it isn't normal, but there is, I know people don't want to hear it. There is a very realistic possibility that FSU is closer to uh, being an 8-9 win team annually than being a 11-12 win team. I just Yeah, because you rebuild first and you become good to having a great year. But sustaining year-over-year high-level success, even after a rebuild, is very difficult. I mean, it's tough to get there. And there's not a whole lot of programs that kind of hang out in that upper territory anymore. You know, the Clemson's, Alabama's, Ohio State's certainly do. And Georgia's now teetering on that. But Georgia hasn't exactly broken through in that sense. Georgia might implode before they ever get there, too. Right. But Georgia wasn't on that level a few years ago it's not like they've had a long-term success of sustaining that clemson's entering what basically year six now of being that i would say in a row and that's insanely difficult to sustain like mm-hmm. that F- fsu is never well i shouldn't say never but what they were for so many years there before the lost decade i don't know if that can really ever be done again i mean bama is the closest thing we have to that now it's just insanely difficult. So I don't know. I don't want to call it middling. It's still a program that its ceiling is still extremely high. It's just so far away from that ceiling right now. That's the good news is like you do know that it's happened before under multiple regimes. So like it can get there. There's that potential. We're just trying to weigh like what's more realistic. Chris, how many years was it? How many top five finishes in a row? 
Wasn't was it 13? Was it 13? And, and so. th- that hasn't been done. Like Alabama hasn't even done that. As great as Alabama has been under Nick Saban, uh, that's something that probably will never be done again in any of our lifetimes. It's just, it's, it's absurd what FSU did in, in that peak with Bobby Bowden. I, I saw Newton's post on that. I get what he's getting at. I don't think it's a horrible argument by any stretch. I think it is founded in some realism for sure. This program's been mediocre to bad more than it's been really good to great in that 20 year stretch. But I don't think it's reached a point where it can't get back there either. So it's, for me, it's tough to say that, but it certainly is living more in that domain right now than the good to great. I found a bottle of bourbon that Newton Knoll was looking for at Market Square Liquors. I'm going to get it for him. We'll, we'll hype that up on the next next ad read. All right. Noel Fielding asks, if the underperformance at certain positions continues all season, I've been so much better at reading today than I normally am, by the way. I think we just need to pat myself on the back. What coaching changes would you make if you're Norvell? It's oh. too early. To, it's too yeah, early. Yeah. To I think you always evaluate your whole staff. It, it comes down to what you brought that person in to be, to do. Is that being accomplished? If the answer is yes, you stick with them. If the answer is no, you probably look elsewhere. I mean, I, I think that's how coaching works. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not here to fire any coaches right now. I think Adam Fuller certainly needs to coach better. Yeah. I, I would say that outright, but I'm not ready to fire Adam Fuller by any stretch of the imagination. I think money also factors into these decisions as well. Money's a bit of a problem at Florida State. It's going to be a problem at a lot of colleges. Almost everyone wanna, right now. Yeah, we won't we'll, we'll discuss this more. Co- coaching coaches are hired to be fired. <laughs> like that that's how the profession works. Even for the best of the best, mm-hmm. you're hired to be eventually be fired. It's sort of what happens. So you you change it till you find something that works, and while it works, you love it. And sometimes those people move up in the world, and when it doesn't work, they get fired. I mean, that's it's crazy that you could be like in the top one percent of your industry and almost have a hundred percent rate of being fired. Like at one point in your career, you're going to be fired. Think about how many Broyles Award winners have gone on to be head coaches. A ton of them. How many of those have gone on to get fired very soon after becoming a head coach in their first regime? A lot of them. Some of them have gone on to become great head coaches with sustained success. It's just, it's such a high hit rate of it doesn't work. And there's, it's not always the X's and O's that aren't working. Like FSU's defense right now, the X's and O's can, in my opinion, certainly be better or at least more effective. But that defense stinks right now because the players are a huge part of the reason it stinks. Yeah. And I'm not solely saying on a talent level. I'm saying on a getting it done on Saturday afternoon level. They're, that defense has played poorly, completely, for eight quarters this season. And Nick Saban could walk through that door as the defensive coordinator right now, and I don't know if he's having markedly better results. I'm sure better results, but not night and day different if the players keep playing the way they've played through two games. X's and O's aren't better than Jimmy and Joe's. That's just how it works. QB asks, is it easier to, one, fix the current problems on this team, or two, travel to Egyptian pyramids, find the entrance to Ringgate, jump to an alternate timeline where we let LSU hire Jimbo Fisher away and replace him with Mike Leach? Probably one. (laughs) I'll let you answer that one. Go ahead. Oh, you want me to answer that one? I thought this was more of a Josh kind of jam. Um... Yeah, definitely I, one. I, uh, hey, so there is this, uh, we have seen it a lot the last couple of days, like this uh, hindsight 2020 type of deal. We should have given Jimbo what he wanted. and Mike Leach is the greatest coach ever. Mike Leach is the greatest coach ever after one game. So it is some reactionary a little bit. What if we did, what if we did say the first time LSU came knocking on the door, let's say, let's say after the 2014 season, 
let's say after 2015, let's say after 2015. So it wasn't after two consecutive uh, playoff appearances, 2015, when you saw some of the warts and Everett Golson check out on the team, if LSU was at the, the second time or the first time they came calling, regardless if, what if, if, as you said, what if Jimbo took the Texas job after the 2013 after, football season? That would have been crazy. Like after I got I, a story I, I, to tell on that one one day. Boy, oh. do I got a story to tell. Oh, really? Chris has heard it, right? We I don't want to so. do that now, do we? Do we want to tease it for later? There's, there's not enough hours in the day. Right you now. can't tell it. Oh, if only we had a Patreon podcast that people uh, could. Once I'm no longer here. I'll t- I'll come back on the bench oh and tell God. you guys. Like when whoa, you're dead, whoa, when you're whoa, dead, whoa, or are you, are you, are you no, I'm no longer. Josh goes to the doctor one time. <laughs> no, when I'm no, all of a sudden he's killing himself off the show. <laughs> when Jesus. I'm no longer working at CBS twenty four seven, I'll tell the story. I'll come on here and tell the story. Do you think I'll get a bulk of your salary after you leave, Josh? <laughs> no, I've already I've already written out who gets it. It's he earmarks it for Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Zach's going to be way higher paid than you are. Oh, f- off Zach. <laughs> Any more questions? Yeah, yeah, we got a few more. We got a few more. We're winding down here. Uh, we'll, we'll start speeding up because we're losing Josh. I could feel you it. You are losing me. Troy, in more ways than one. Troy, go 53. If Fuller does not have this defense perform any better by the end of the year, do you think Norvell has what it takes to fire him? Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I think FSU's head coach knows how to run a program. So, yes, I think he would fire a coach if he believes that coach is underperforming and not doing yeah. his job duties. I, yeah, don't, some, I don't I don't think he's playing friends. This I, I've fraternity. seen some people say that he brought in his boys. I'm like, no, he didn't. What boys? Okay, let me just explain this. The let me just explain this right off the jump. Every coach at every school hires a group of assistant coaches, the majority of which he's coached with or knows personally. And that's how it goes. And there's good reasons for that that I'm not going to get into and explain right now, but it's not something that's limited to Florida State. We saw it during Jimbo times. We saw it during Willie Taggart. You're hearing it again with Norvell. Every single coach in America is going to bring in a coaching staff, the majority of which are coaches that he knows and have coached with before. I think Norvell Norvell will do what he thinks needs to be done. I don't think he's going to be someone who's going to be scared to – make a move if he truly doesn't believe in someone, but we're two games in. This guy also wants Charlie Strong to be the replacement, which like, you know, recruiting, eh, not awful idea, but uh, but let's give Adam Fuller a full season before we uh, we make some conclusions there. Navi's Noel asks, without naming names, what percentage of the team do you believe are team cancers uh, that okay. are hurting the program? Are we possibly looking at something like 10 to 15% of the team, more or less? I mean... I will say I this. I, I do think that what gives me confidence that Norvell has shown that he's pretty quick. If someone wants to leave, he's not allowing them to kind of stay in limbo. Uh, he's not good. trying to force like people that. to stay. Yeah, I do too. I think that's that was something Jeremy Pruitt did when he arrived. He was like, if you're going to put your name in the transfer portal, that's fine, but you you're off the roster. Yeah. And that's, and he made that note. And we, while at the same time, um, and the, everybody, all the coaches were trying to figure out how to deal with the transfer portal, but you saw Willie Taggart, you saw guys put their name on the transfer portal and go to practice the next day, take their name out of the transfer portal only to put it in again later. Yeah. Multiple times, multiple, multiple guys did that. I don't think the roster in the sense of like 2018 had guys that were just plain and simply bad for the mix of the team. This team has guys who 
loser mentality is sort of an issue for them and that they're not good at handling adversity and stuff. I don't think those two things are synonymous with one another. So there's definitely a part of this roster that they need to move on from, but you can do that without running those guys out of town. And then there's guys who will simply leave because they are not going to play and you tell them to go have a good day. Um, But I don't think the roster is quite as infectious of a bad attitude. The thing you more worry about is the results on the field causing younger players to kind of accept that this is normal. And that's what I I think, I think they're trying to get away from that very quickly. I think, I think this week we're going to see that trend continue, but I think we have seen that truthfully over the last seven, eight weeks of if it's not working, we're quickly going to change it. And uh, that is a something I am happy to see because I don't feel like we saw that very much in 2018. And, that led to sustained issues through 2019. I don't think that's going to be the same issue with this staff. Well, the thing the 2018 staff did was like, they changed core philosophies of who they were. Like they wanted to go fast and run tempo and then they just changed to going slow. Yeah, and But it, I'm talking more who you're trusting and run out there, that, who you're believing in. And yeah, that's what should have been saying done. one thing and doing a different thing. And I, mean, I, so I don't think that's the case here. You can change the pieces on the chessboard, but you can't change the game that you're playing and right. FSU there's no magic you like that analogy josh that was good. there's no magic elixir on this roster that's suddenly going to make them a drastically better football team short term but there are things you can do to build for the future and to get away from the things that are causing the issues year over year with the fact that you can't win on the football field all right moving faster we're losing josh we got like five more left Dehezi asks which five to ten veterans have you seen enough of oh, i don't think we're gonna name names the last guy asked us not to name names this guy wants us to name names um I'll say this, like if they're moving on from James Blackman this week, I've been, I've backed James as much as anyone in the FSU media has, but if you got to move on, you got to move on. Like, and I think it's about time where we have to start seeing something new. You actually have freshmen on the quarter, you know, on the roster at quarterback now, which has been nice because we haven't seen that the last few years. There needs to be some level of competition. I think you have to legitimately see uh, what you have there. Uh, I like baby on Johnson, but you can't have a fifth year player having three false starts uh gotta see if you got in thomas schrader if you kick someone into guard and and play robert scott i think you have to start doing that more uh warren thompson's gonna catch the ball and do something yeah leonard warner has to uh, that's been so disappointing to me because the way that he was talked up and that's someone that we weren't super bullish on going into the the preseason but then the preseason happens and we knew he was going to play some, possibly start. Thought Julio McCray or Stephen Dix were going to push him. But then everyone just kept saying how he's bought in, how he's been a culture guy, how he's turned it around and been a leader in camp. And through two games, he's been one of the worst players on the field. And then just, again, Leonard Warner's another guy who I'd, I'd legitimately like and find him to be a thoughtful, good interview. And everything we hear about him is that he's a legitimately nice guy. It's just, yeah, there's just guys that we have to start making moving Jay on Rob. from. J-Rob has to play better. He played better last year than he's playing this year to this point in time, and he came back for a clear-cut reason. Has, has J-Rob recorded a stat? Uh, well, he was he was the third man in on the sack that they had against Georgia Tech when Woody and Gaynor got there. I don't, I'm pulling it but up. But I, I don't know officially on the sheet if he has a mark on there or not. But the thing is, he's been in position a handful of times to make plays in two games. He hasn't made any of them, and that's the issue. And there's too many instances of bad angles, not getting around the edge – not sustaining the edge, stuff like that, that he's done. He, he just has to play better. He came back for a reason. Five tackles. Only had the the blocked uh, the blocked field goal in game one, but but five yes. tackles through two games as a starter playing a lot of snaps. Just needs to be more impactful. I'm with you, Chris. Okay, random questions here. Donger need food. Brendan, oh, this is for me. 
Uh, on a scale of one to 10, I love scales of one to 10. How awful was the ride back to tally after that debacle Saturday night? Uh, what did you listen to to fight off the boredom or to keep you awake? Uh, I did listen to the instant reaction podcast from Chris and Josh that I was not a part of. And, uh, <laughs> and honestly, sounded really hurt. In that. And honestly, I just took fielded a lot of calls from not happy sources and I'll just leave it at that. It was actually a really productive ride back. Cause I did a lot of work for six hours and I was very exhausted emotionally as an introvert after all that. And then Monday as well. NB123 asks, in a Billy Madison-esque decathlon, what would you, <laughs> what would be the order of finish between you guys? Uh, so what was the Billy Madison decathlon? They had the the sprint scene in there where Eric had the really weird balls. Uh, what else? <laughs> didn't, they do like, didn't they do like a science experiment where Billy takes the, the boot out of the crock pot or whatever it was and then they obviously had the mental decathlon too i think yeah, josh i think josh is more well round the most well-rounded out of the three of us who who would earn the ultimate insult though like the academic decathlon portion <laughs> i would probably me. yeah i think it's josh oh, i didn't want to say josh? it but since he elected himself after i get off a, a really nonsensical rant Someone was what told, you just God, said may god have mercy is on one of soul. the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Yeah, I probably. And may God have mercy to, on your soul. Yeah, yep. there's a couple topics really? you could ask me that I would uh, definitely give you an answer for. Can that. you guys hear my dog? He's being very loud. War chant one nine one one asks Braveheart or Gladiator. Uh, Braveheart's kind of boring to me. Gladiator. This, okay, this is Gladiator. why. This is why I need to do these questions, Brendan. Oh. Okay, like, you have sidebarred so many times. Like somebody asks you a one to ten question, you start talking about how you love one to ten questions. I do love one to ten questions. When somebody gives you a one to ten question, you read the question and then you give them the number and it's next question. Mom and Dad, quit fighting. <laughs> I've been on a Q&A for an hour and 15 minutes. This was supposed to be a short podcast. Oh, you think I, my little five-second spinoffs are what you're keeping us? In the beginning, us? I was going to ask if I was hosting it, and I saw on the thing that Brendan was, so I shut my mouth, but here we are an hour and 15 minutes later. He's going to play the whole song. <laughs> I did threaten to do that. I'm going to remind myself after this podcast is done to go back and look at the Q&A that you hosted, Josh, and if it's over an hour... I'm coming over down to St. Pete and I'm next question pooping on your doormat. Next question. Uh, there's, there's a commercial break. There's a commercial break from our <laughs> national commercial sponsors. We have one more question left and then we'll go. All right. Join us after the break or not. I don't care. Introducing the two way V4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell. Each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience, maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Oh, Josh, I thought you wanted to go ahead and, and host this. Please do. You don't even have the question. You don't even know what we're going to ask. I'm not getting Every, in. Everyone time. is now dumber. Garbage time. <laughs> I do not want garbage time podcast minutes. <laughs> Pat and my staff. <laughs> but Elliot going to come out with a chart. <laughs> How Berg doesn't say anything of substance in the first 30 minutes of the pod. What would be your PFF grade for this podcast, Josh? Like a 70. What's, oh, what's average? 77? 65. Why would 77 oh, be an average? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, there's some good news. We I went got, to a um, we got We got kind of PFF. We don't have like the full... Uh, Never mind. I'm we got just, like the pick and save version of PFF. Yeah, there's some aspects of it. Edition. There's some aspects that are really cool, but we just don't have the grades, uh, which are the, the, you know, the parts that people click on but also the grades are a little subjective too so we, we don't them. legally have the grades that we can use in content is what he wanted to say <laughs> <laughs> we have one more question here j-rod three one ask or I guess 31 oh damn it. i sidebarred again now i'm very conscious of it josh will we beat jacksonville state predictions scores and predictions go yes they'll win 35 to 7 fsu tate rodermaker the starting quarterback comes out Throws for 250 yards, mm. three touchdowns, one interception. Gives you just the taste to say, hey, you know wow. what? He's our guy. And the Tate Hive was born. Mm-hmm. How's that? I, I have not given an ounce of thought to a score prediction for this game. I, I just yeah. haven't. Like, usually throughout the week, I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at what Vegas is saying, you know, reading some different. I just haven't. I think Zarek Cooper is going to put some points on the board. I do think they can score at least a couple touchdowns, if not more, on oh FSU. I can't. I can't believe in FSU's defense till they actually do it. Uh, what is this, what is Vegas saying, Chris? What is Vegas? Saying? I, I think it's 25 and a half, 26 point spread. I don't know what the over under on it was. I I don't recall that, but the spread was just shy of four touchdowns. Can FSU score in the forties? I don't know. Like, if, if, not now, I mean, if not now, I mean, win. Yeah, I guess I'll go 42-14. Mm. I ran it through the algorithm. I got 52-10. F- oh, wait, that's last week's algorithm. Uh, <laughs> I, I got uh, – I got I, – it's 34-17 FSU. What would make you guys feel good? Like, is there, anything, is there anything FSU can do to make you yeah, feel seeing better? seeing one of these young quarterbacks come out and look confident – Mm-hmm. Confident, Just confident. Co- confident, we haven't confident. Seen confidence. I think confidence at the QB's position will go a long way. Okay. Seeing the defense get home, I mean, that that would be awesome. <laughs> I haven't seen it in two games. I'd love to see it. Are you so um, a sa- you'd like to see a sack? No, I want to see the defense getting home, like actually finishing plays, getting in the backfield, getting to the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback, moving the quarterback off his spot, not allowing a massive running lane to just run up the middle of the field, all those things. I want it to come together to some sense, especially against an opponent who's an FCS-level opponent, albeit one that's been pretty good at that level for several years. Um, I, offensively, I just want to see the future. I, I You know, I don't – the guys that we know of who we've talked about endlessly, it feels like for 36 months, I don't really need to see them. I want to see the guys that's going to help this team in the coming years. And I want to oh. see them do something. All right. Rapid fire over under 10 touches for Lawrence to Philly, AKA Josh Newberg, garbage time, man, but he's going to get it not in garbage time. So 10 non garbage time touches for Lawrence. Philly's my guy. I'm going with the over. Yeah, me too. Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will be around that number, but yeah. Uh, different starting five on the offensive line. Yes or no. I don't think so. I think they're going to stick with those same five. I do think we see a good amount of rotation and fairly early with uh, trying to get Schrader and Scott in there a little bit more, uh, Robert Scott, and 
you know, Bavion commits a penalty before snap. I think his ass gets pulled with light, lightning quickness. Like, I, I think that conversation's over. Yeah, I think they're just trying to find their way on the but offensive I th- line. I think they trust that starting five the most of any five together. It's not so much about the individuals as much as the collective. True freshman starting on defense over under one and a half. Mm. Starting? Mm-hmm. Over. I- I think I got to go under. I I think Dix might start. Who would be another one? Josh Griffiths. Griffiths would be the other one. I would. I got two. Those are my the, two. Yeah. I, and if I'm Lundy had been if, if Lundy had been playing the first two weeks, I think we'd be pretty close to seeing that. But yeah, he's not. Even, we're not even one hundred percent sure he'll be available. He's not been healthy. He is practicing, doing stuff. But we shall see if mm-hmm. they throw him out there if he's ready to go. All right, last question. I've already said I love that, that I got Brendan going quick. This is so great. This is this is we should be doing this the entire podcast. He's uh, still sidebarred though, for the record. No, did I? What I sidebar on? They don't call me sidebar uh, for nothing. Go, go ahead, go, sidebar. Go. <laughs> I've already been on record with this. I think Tate Rotomaker will start at quarterback. Who do you guys have as the starting quarterback for FSU? Who takes the first snap? Can't say Jordan Travis. I can't believe it until I see it. I'm going James Blackman. I man, damn it, Sinone. Why do you have to do this to a man? If I was betting money, I'd still bet Blackman starts. Now who's sidebarring I, Josh? I, I am not I am not a believer in saying that though. All right. We'll wait and see. Wait. I think Sinone's got the scoop, but I'm I'm I, I'm just so oh, jaded no. that like I just can't I can't go I'm just preparing myself to see Blackman try to I'm just saying there's a chance uh beginning of the week I thought it would be James Blackman I've I've slowly shifted off to that throughout the this week I am firmly of the opinion giving Tate the script and having gone through that script with him throughout the week would be the most beneficial way of doing this I don't think the third series Tate is as good of an idea as Tate starting I think uh, I'm I'm of the opinion should start Tate I think there's a very good chance they do I just can't go all the way in on it quite yet Final question, uh, yes or no, Christney will travel to New York in December to cover Tate Rotomaker at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. <laughs> well, that's I don't probably- even know if Chris is going to travel to Notre Dame to cover the Notre Dame game. <laughs> Hell, are we going to have the Notre Dame game? Uh, I thought, Brendan, I thought you were going to ask if he was going to travel to Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I went to book that this morning. It's like, well, you have to fill out this form and that game stay, still may not happen. So I'm technically but, quarantined after going down to Miami. I'm not going to be at the game this weekend at Jacksonville State. That's a company man. policy. It's going to be Darn me it. and Zach, me and gonna, Zach holding the fort down. I'm going to miss it. Chris, you should probably tell someone at FSG before they hear this podcast that the beat writer won't be at the game. I thought you had told Elliot. I told Elliot. I don't think I told Derek. Okay. You think Derek, if you care? I know some people listen to this podcast. Yes. But what would they care? Dude, you've got to be there. Oh, that they don't care. Yeah, probably not. Well, because so they credential, they have a spot. You know, it's just courtesy. If you tell someone you're going to go get lunch with them, then you aren't able to show up and get lunch. You tell them, even if it's a group of people. All right, for Josh Newber, Chris Nee, what do you guys want to say? Anything else? There's too many no. sidebars. The podcast has been going on for an hour and twenty minutes, and they get yelled at for being too long over an hour. Play the whole thing. <laughs> one, two, three. Early times in one.
This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.